Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial. On today's episode, I've got three really good questions for you on various self-directed retirement topics. One involving solo 401k contributions, another about using your IRA to invest in an entity you own, and a third on a solo 401k and a divorce. So let's get right to it. I'm going to start with the first question, which is from YouTube. And question number one is, can I make solo 401k contributions in 2022 for the 2021 taxable year? And the answer is, depends. Just like every legal question, there's always a yes or no legal disclaimer. So it really all depends on how your business is set up to be the truth. So let's start with this. If you have a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, you file a Schedule C and you have a solo 401k, you can technically make contributions up until you file your tax return, which would be April 18th this year in 2022 for the 2021 taxable year or when you file it, including extensions, okay? If you're a W-2, C or S Corp taxpayer, and you are a W-2 taxpayer in terms of that's how you receive your compensation and that's how it's reported, technically you have to elect to make those contributions by 1231, okay? So that's something to be remembered that if you're a sole proprietor, Schedule C, contributions can be made up until you file your tax return. If you are a W-2 CRS Corp employee deferrals, which is for 2021, 26,000 if you're over 50, 19,500 if you're under 50, that technically needs to be done if you're a W-2 by 1231, you can elect it. Uh, Whereas Schedule C can be done up until you file your return, including extension. Now the profit sharing, the employer contributions, the 20%, of a Schedule C or single member LLC, 25% of W-2, those can be filed in both cases in 2022 up until the business follows its tax return, including extensions for the 21 year. Okay, so just to summarize, employee deferrals depends on the business type. Sole proprietor, single member LLC, you can make 21 contributions, employee deferrals in 22 up until you file your return, including extensions. W-2, can't do it, generally need to elect and make the contribution prior to 1231. Employer contributions in both cases can be made up until return, including extensions. Max in 2021 is 58,000 if you're under 50, 645 if you are over 50. So that is the answer to the question, can I still make solo 401k contributions in 22 for the 21 taxable year? And that's a question from YouTube. The next question is from James K. of Fort Worth, Texas. And this is a really, really good question. Um, And I probably can do a 30 or 40 minute podcast 
just on this question because it happens and comes up all the time and it brings in a variety of different issues involving the prohibited transaction rules under 49.75. So here it is. If I own 25% of a business that I'm personally involved in, can my IRA invest in it? So I get this question probably 30, 40 times a week, honestly, in different variations in terms of, I wanna invest my IRA or 401k in a business I own less than 50% of, can I do? So let's look at the first set of rules and that's the tax code. We'll go to the primary source, the internal revenue code. 49.75 is somewhat clear in saying an entity only becomes disqualified if it's owned 50% or more by disqualified persons. And a disqualified person is essentially the IRA owner or any of his or her lineal descendants or any entities controlled by such persons. So in James's case, if he owns less than 50% of this entity, technically the entity is not disqualified. Now, I assume the 75% is not owned by any family members through attribution, lineal descendants, parents, children, spouse, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. Assuming those are the facts, then on its face, yeah, James, you should be able to use your IRA to invest in that entity. However, a couple of things. 4975 C1, D, E, and F are essentially the self-dealing, conflict of interest, catch-all provisions. What that means is you can technically be under the 50% threshold, so technically not be a disqualified entity as per 4975C, and potentially also trip up the self-dealing or conflict of interest rules. Here is a case that brings these provisions into light. Rollins v. Commissioner, I've talked about this case repeatedly, 2004 tax court case, Real quick in terms of facts, Rollins was an accountant. He owned multiple businesses, um, all personally under 50%. He was a director, not an employee of these businesses. Uh, he's a CPA. Companies needed money, took his company accounting firm 401k uh, and lent the funds to these businesses. Regular interest rates, uh, the businesses paid back the loan. Everything worked out. Unfortunately, the IRS audited uh, these transactions and determined that Mr. Rollins did a prohibited transaction. They argued that the loan from his 401k to these private businesses uh, violated 4975, C1, D, E, or F in terms of self-dealing or conflict of interest. They argued that the loan personally benefited. And unfortunately, the tax court agreed and said Rollins could not prove that that loan did not in any way personally benefit him and exclusively benefited his retirement account. The facts were not in his favor because the companies needed the money. So by him using his 401k funds to lend those funds to these businesses, he, in effect, directly or indirectly, personally benefited because, but for those funds, maybe he would have lost his personal investment into those entities. So that's a case where he owned less than 50%. So you would think he'd be fine in terms of prohibited transactions. And the court ruled against him and ruled that the 401k investment did not exclusively benefit the retirement account. It personally benefited Rollins directly or indirectly, and therefore uh, triggered the prohibitive transaction rules under 4975. So taking into account the statute under 4975, the Rollins case, what can we learn? Well, in James's case, you're under 25%, so that's good, but we also wanna make sure that your IRA investment is being done exclusively to benefit your IRA and in no way is it going to directly or indirectly personally benefit you. So some good facts are the company's doing great. It has hundreds of other investors that could invest these funds. 
Um, this is a really good opportunity for my IRA. It's not helping James in any way. I'm not getting a bonus. It's not going to help my personal investment in the business. Really is a exclusively beneficial investment to my IRA and has no impact on my personal involvement in this entity. The facts are turned another direction and they and the company needs the funds or James needs this additional investment to potentially protect his initial investment in that business. Those are not good facts and those could potentially trigger 4975 C1D E or F just like the Rollins case. So in some, I wish I can give a more concrete definitive answer, but a lot of legal questions, it's facts and circumstances related. So what I wanna do here is just kind of give everyone a full perspective and um, essentially plate of all the potential um, you know, ingredients the IRS could look at and mix and match and determine whether investments prohibited or not. And it's up to you and your advisors to determine whether you believe you can show that the IRA or 401k is exclusively benefiting from the investment and, and directly or indirectly no disqualified person is. And um, I think Rollins is a very helpful case to help you navigate those rules. So thank you, James, for that question. It's a really good question. I think a lot of us can learn from it. Here is another great question from Keith and this uh, Montclair, New Jersey. And I know exactly where that is. Uh, my wife's from a town very close. And Keith has a really good question about solo 401k plans. And unfortunately, it's a pretty, um, I would say, not, not super um, positive, happy um, situation. But here it is. I have a solo 401k with my spouse. And I'm getting divorced. Can we still keep the plan? So thankfully, I don't get this question often. So most of my clients, thankfully, are hopefully are happily married. But what happens? This does happen. So and I've actually been an expert witness in, in a very messy case involving a divorced couple and a solo K. So generally, a solo K is adopted by a business. Generally, it's a business with no full-time employees other than the owners or their spouses. So we assume Keith and his spouse are the only owners. There's no non-owner employees that work more than 1,000 hours. So Keith has a solo K. And what happens? They're getting divorced. So the business does, isn't getting divorced, right? The individuals that own the business or work at the business and are owners are getting divorced. So what happens? Well, first question, is the business surviving the divorce? If it is, that's fine. The plan can stay intact and remain the same because the business is not being dissolved or liquidated. It's not getting divorced. It's still a operating business. So assuming the business is still operational and both spouses, even if they're divorced, are staying with the business, then we're good. Nothing really has to change. Um, you guys may want to be joint trustees or you may want to have a third-party trustee to keep things um, more organic and less controversial, but that's up to you. Now, what about, no, the business is being dissolved. We hate each other. We can't work with each other again. Okay. In that case, another simple answer you will dissolve the 401k, file a final 5500 EZ, and then you'll roll the funds into an IRA. If it's an alternative asset investment in your 401k, then a self-directed IRA or self-directed Roth IRA. Or if it's just a traditional uh, plan with stocks or mutual funds, you can send it to a IRA at a, at a brokerage firm, for example. You can also, if you, let's say, are taking a job at, at a company, they may allow for uh, rollovers of uh, existing 401ks. 
and you have will have the option to do so as well into a uh, new employer if you so desire, although the most common approach is just roll it into an IRA tax-free. That's a direct rollover. You can do that as many times as you want um, because you have more investment options through an IRA. Now, third option, one of the spouses is staying with the business and the other is the party. That case, also pretty simple. The departing spouse will have a triggering event. Him or her will leave the company. They will have access to those funds and then they can roll those funds tax-free to an IRA or self-directed IRA or to another uh, 401k plan that they will be a participant in. And then the remaining spouse will essentially remain in the plan, uh, still do what they're doing. If both spouses are trustees of the plan, you definitely wanna remove that other spouse so they don't have any more rights into this uh, plan. You also wanna change your beneficiary forms because if you're getting divorced, you probably don't wanna have your ex as a sole beneficiary. You may, but you may not. Um, and otherwise, you know, nothing changes. Um, again, when you file the 5,500 EZ, assuming you have more than $250,000 in your plan, um, you know, it's, it's just gonna be one participant instead of two. That's the only um, difference. The valuation will shrink depending on the assets leaving the plan. But procedurally, um, practically, in terms of operating the plan, no, nothing should really change. Um, and those are generally the three most uh, common scenarios. So I'll kind of give you a case that I was involved in, and this was nasty. Um, two spouses owned a business. Um, one spouse, uh, they're getting divorced. And both were trustees of the plan. What happened is one of the spouses literally just took all the money and put it into her IRA. Okay. And they were going through divorce proceedings. And thankfully, the, the spouse did not use those funds. She just kept them in the IRA, but she didn't have access and she didn't have the ability to move her exes or now exes, but at that point, uh, spouses, IRA, 401k into an IRA. Number one, there was no triggering event, right? They didn't dissolve the plan. They were under 59 and a half. They weren't able to just move the money from a 401k to an IRA. Also, she didn't have a right to move the spouse's IRA, even though she's a trustee of the plan, he's the participant, he didn't give her the direction to do that. So it became a whole mess. Thankfully, uh, lawyers got involved and ultimately she put the money back and then they broke up the plan and he closed the plan. He took the funds and put it into an IRA in his name. She took the funds and put it in an IRA in her name. And, you know, everyone has moved on, but it became nasty, uh, several months of litigation. So remember, you need what's called a plan trigger an event to move money out of a 401k. You can't just roll money out whenever you want. Generally, a plan trigger an event is you are over the age 59 and a half, you leave your job or the plan terminates. So if you are getting divorced, God forbid, and you're in this situation, you have some options. Again, the business stays intact. You can both operate the plan, assuming you're still involved with the business. If one leaves the business, then that spouse has a trigger event to move the funds to uh, an IRA or a new 401k. If both leave, then plan is terminated. The business is liquidated. File final 5500EZ, terminate plan, and then both spouses can move the funds to their respective IRAs. And, and there it is. That is a really good question. And uh, I appreciate uh, it very much. Uh, it's from Keith V of Montclair, New Jersey. And again, if any of you have questions, uh, don't hesitate. You can email them to info at IRA Financial. You can hit us up on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, really fun podcast. And I have some really good questions in queue. So don't forget to Check us out next week. This is a weekly podcast that drops every Thursday. 
And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun. And I uh, will talk to everyone again next week. Take care. Thank you.